Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you and I hope you enjoy this episode. We really welcome today Pastor Josh Kelsey as he comes this morning to preach the Word of God. Hey, hey, great to see you guys. Great to meet you. You may be seated. Thank you for those kind words. You guys have the best pastors or pastors. And uh, sorry about the Aussie invasion here. Um, but I love Matt and Jill so much. So thankful for them. And we, we go way back, like, 2004 or something like that, um, and just so, so blessed. And he was just in, not just, but you were in finance, and and then God called you guys to plant a church here, and it's just such a privilege to be standing on this platform and to see what God's done through you guys. And I just really sense today that it's just the beginning compared to what God has in mind. And I uh, just want to encourage you guys that it's really special to be in this room and to sense what the Holy Spirit's doing. When you're in something like this and you just, you know, come each week or watch online, it's so easy to become familiar with something. And I know you, you guys aren't, but just want to encourage you. This is a special place. Can you give it up for your pastors and just honor them? So good. And thank you to all the volunteers. Thank you to the, let's give it up for the worship team. How about these camera guys? You guys are legends. How about all the unseen heroes, the production guys, and the the kids workers, and all of you guys that come and carve out some time to be here to listen to some guy in white pants. Wow, you guys are, that's courage right there. But uh, so blessed to uh, share with you in these next uh, moments we have. If you have your Bible here today, uh, and if you don't, just ask a Christian next to you. Ah, old jokes. That's old jokes. I'm kidding. So kidding. Um, turn to Revelation. Some uh, end time message today for you. Just jokes. Okay. All right. Last service. Come on, get into gear. Let's go, Kelsey. You got this. Revelations 2, 1 to 5. Today's message is called, To Know Him is to Want Him. To Know Him is to Want Him. I just find it so fascinating in my life how often I don't really want Jesus. And I'm the pastor. Um, Which just shows how much I need Him. Because if I really knew Him, I would want Him. You have, I'm sure, some amazing friends or people in your your world. And if you were to describe them to me and just say, oh, you've got to know this person. Like they are, man, they're they're just next level. But I might be like, okay, cool. Yeah, that that sounds good. But but you're you're so convinced. Why? Because you know them. 
Like when I describe my, my wife, and I'll bring up a photo of my, my beautiful family here. Uh, this is my wife, Georgie, and my two boys, Brooks and Zeph. Uh, Brooks is nine and Zeph is five. And uh, we've been married 17 years. Got married when I was 12. <laughs> it's an Australian thing, you know. <laughs> but to describe, like, you'd much rather Georgie here right now preaching because she's an incredible preacher, amazing woman of God. And I can say all that, but you, you're not as convinced as me because I know her. And, and so it is with, with Jesus. If We wouldn't need anyone on a mic to convince us because you know him. I'm not responsible for your love for him, but I am responsible in some way, hopefully today, just to redirect and point you to him because I know if you spend some time with him, you'll want him. If you carve out some time this week, something can shift in your heart. Yeah. I, always, I, I say to my church all the time in, in New York and um, <laughs> where I walk my dog and have some coffee. Uh, uh, I apologize. But I say, I, I've dreamt from when I was young, when, when I wanted to plant a church, of a church that I didn't need to follow up. What I mean by that is that that once a fire catches in people's hearts, yes, we need to help each other and encourage. We obviously need to spur each other on into, into good deeds and keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We need to, to remind each other that nothing can separate us from the love of God. We, we need to remind each other to keep our mind on the spirit and on the flesh. We need each other, right, to encourage each other. And to, to, but, but at a certain point, it can't just be your parents' faith or some idea of, of tradition or there's, there's got to be some intimacy where you don't just know about God, but you know Him. Yeah. Where it's not just a subject matter on Sunday, but there's a, a personal relationship with Him. Or what can happen in our relationship with God is that we, we used to have that, but, but we lose it. And here in Revelation, we see that, that even some of the greatest early churches of Ephesus and these amazing, incredible places where, where Paul the Apostle started these churches and the fire of God, the Holy Spirit filled these early disciples and they were famous around the Middle East and Asia region and the, the ancient times, the early church. And we read about them, we think, wow, they're so, it's so amazing that they, they weathered the persecution and they persevered and they, they prevailed through all of this and they loved Jesus so much. But even those Early churches here got a letter from Jesus through the Apostle John, letting them know, hey, there's so much to be encouraged about, but I also need to challenge you. If the early church needed a challenge, how much more does the Western American church need a challenge? How much more do we need to be redirected and refocused on what really matters. And that's what this message is about today. In Revelations 2, 1 to 5, the Word of God says, to the angel of the church in Ephesus. That's just cool by itself that there's, there's an angel assigned to colonial church. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I want to remind you today that, that God has given each church a lampstand. And Jesus is the one that has the authority. He's the head of this church. He's the head of our church in New York. He's the head of, of the church. And he's the one that, that can take the lampstand. He's the one that gives the lampstand. 
It's not our genius or our brilliance. It's not how well I speak. It's not the worship. It's not the marketing. It's not the branding. All that stuff will, will pale into existence. It doesn't matter compared to the reality that the lampstand, the light of this church is our love for Him and His love for us. I know your works. This is His encouragement. Your toil and your patient endurance during COVID-19. Oh, that's sorry, that's revised version. I know that you cannot tolerate certain people on social media. You, you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them to be false. I also know that you are enduring patiently and bearing up for the sake of my name and that you have not grown weary. Remember, this is the church in Ephesus. This is 40 years later after Paul the Apostle actually started the church. 40 years later, four decades on, and here's what Jesus himself, the one that died and rose again for this church and these disciples, he's saying these encouraging things. He says, I know your patience. I know that you're bearing up for the sake of my name. I know what you've gone through. And he says, I also know that you have not grown weary. What encouraging words from Jesus. And I believe that if Jesus was to write a letter to this church today here at Colonial, that he would have so many amazing, beautiful things that, that I sense when I walk in this room, just a, a hunger to worship, a, a love and a family and a fellowship and a, a sense of value on the things that really matter of relationship, a, a love for the Word of God and a, a love for other people, your, your heart to build a church that's gonna really bring transformation to St. Augustine. It, it's a beautiful thing to be in this place. And I, I could sense that Jesus would have so many encouraging things to say to us. But just as he has these things to say, he said to them, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember them from what you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Maybe this applies, maybe it doesn't. I, I, I'm not sure for your life individually, but I know that we can always be reminded to come back to our first love. If you're anything like me, I need to know this every day, to never assume that He's first in my life, but to always ask the question humbly, God, are you first? To not assume just because I look the part or have certain religious activity on the outside, they knew how to decipher between good doctrine and bad doctrine. They were quite good at debating. They were quite good at finding out about false apostles. And they, were, they, they, they had an endurance and a, an ability to, to weather storms and persecution. But this word fallen means in the original text of, it, it describes like a, a flower that's withered. Or another meaning is like a ship out of control. A flower that's withered or a ship out of control. It's interesting that what Jesus is saying to the church, and I believe he's saying to all of us here today and to our church in New York, and maybe if I could be as bold, to the capital C church in America saying, I love all the history. I love what's going on. I love the, the, the achievements and the things. But, but honestly, guys, it's like a flower that's withered or a ship that's out of control if what is first is not me. Wow. That really nothing matters unless Jesus is first. He's saying to us, without love, your life is withered. You could have all the things, 
But without love, what do we have? These three things remain, faith, hope, and these things are remain, not our belongings, not the things we collect, not our accolades or achievements, how many people know us or don't know us. N nothing else will remain except those things in our life. So shouldn't it be the case that we elevate the greatest of these, which is love? And ask the question today in our heart, Lord, are you first? And if you're not, Lord, I pray that you would be. There's another church. There's seven churches that get a letter from Jesus through the Apostle John here in his final years. The other one is Laodicea. The, this church is an interesting church because in verse 15, it says, he goes straight into the correction. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you, I would rather that you would be cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Another version says vomit, which I said in the 8 a.m. because it seemed appropriate to make sure they were awake. <laughs> For you say, I am rich and I have prospered and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich. I love that. White garments so you may be clothed and clothe yourself and, the sh and cover the shame of your nakedness and salve to anoint your eyes that you may see those whom I love, watch this, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Both churches and a few of the others, great things to be said, things that Jesus could highlight, but both churches, no matter how much they'd achieved, no matter their worldly success or the perception of success, he says the same things. Jesus says, repent. This church was interesting because different uh, cities around it actually had cold water springs or hot springs. And it was said that those water sources would go through aqueducts to get to this city and by the time it got to this city, it was famous for lukewarm water. So the church would have recognized and sat up and gone, oh, like Jesus is speaking to us in context. And he, he loves to do that with our life. He, he, there's something that connects to that. You'll, you'll get some sort of prophetic word or there's something the Holy Spirit, it's gonna be in context to get our attention. He's gonna use the analogy of our world. But, but they would have understood, like they had... This, this city was so famous for being self-sufficient to the point where Rome offered this city help during an earthquake and it said, we don't need it because we've got enough resources ourselves. So the very thing that they claimed to be, that made them famous was actually the thing that made them lukewarm to God. And what was that? That they didn't need God. One church loses its first love. Another church, Jesus is saying here by saying lukewarm, he's saying you've become useless. See, when I was younger, I thought the, the passage meant like 
you gotta be hot for Jesus or, or against Jesus, cold. That's not what it means, but don't be, don't be in the middle. What he's saying is, no, hot water is useful. Cold water is useful, but in the middle, it's useless. Their sin that, that caused their lukewarmness was that they didn't need God. That they lost sight of purpose. It's amazing that you can miss your purpose because you're self-sufficient. And it's probably one of the most dangerous places to be in the Western church is because we have the comforts of knowing like our next meal is most likely gonna be provided for. That, you know, most of our needs, shelter, food, clothing, the basic needs, sure, there are people in our society that don't have those, but predominantly in our culture, we are self-sustaining. We don't really need to pray to God to get our next loaf of bread, but that's our most dangerous place that we could miss our purpose in life, not because we become self-sufficient, but because we don't need God. If the more I need God, the more I'm gonna live out my eternal purpose. But that's the trick of the enemy, isn't it? Is, Is that when you face a trial, Like Paul says, his grace is sufficient for me. I tried three times to pray, remove this thorn from my side or or that area in your life that you're still struggling with or that that area that you just wish would go away and you think you beat yourself up over it or or a way of of living or certain things that go on in your life. Yes, it may not honour God and God wants you to overcome it, but the, the key is, is the fact that you need God to overcome it causes you to be in a place where you need Him. And we wanna get rid of it and we think maybe God's not for me. How come you haven't healed me? How, how come you haven't delivered me from this trial? How come this opposition hasn't gone away? It seems to be an issue in my life or that person or that thing. I'm not talking about your wife. And, and it's this area in your life and you're like, God, you mustn't be for me. But in fact, that is a sign that He's so for you. The fact that he allows trials. See, God, he tries things that he loves. He tries that which he values. Why? Because in the trial, what remains is the thing that he values the most, which is faith. So he allows our life to be tried. He allows us to have to need him because he knows the day we don't need him is the day we miss our purpose. The day we become self-sufficient, I'm good. I'll I'll come... (laughs) I'll, I'll, I'll check in at church when I'm going through a disaster. Or I'll get desperate for you when, when something's happening in my world. But wouldn't it be amazing if we had a, had a faith, and I believe that's the faith that's in this room today. You're here today, you're prioritizing Jesus because you, you know in your heart of hearts, I need you. I need you this week. I don't just need you when I'm going through a tough time. I need you when I receive blessings so that, I, that my heart stays in the right posture so I don't use the blessing to become self-sufficient, but rather I would be part of a generation that used blessing to further the kingdom of God. Yes. I, I've been so uh, blessed lately because our church has been so generous. We fed last year 75,000 people in our city during COVID. 
And yeah, come on, let's praise God. Amen. But here's the thing. The thing that I love the most is it wasn't, I, I didn't learn the most because, oh, we got to be a blessing. I learned the most by seeing the need. It was the people that were lining up yesterday. We gave out, you know, 300 Thanksgiving meals for, for this Thursday and turkeys and the whole deal. But I was just struck with the thought how often I take for granted a Thanksgiving meal. And I'm not thinking about, oh, can I afford a turkey this Thursday? But here are hundreds of families hoping that our supplies don't run out by the time they get there so they can have a meal. And it was that that blessed me the most and challenged me the most. Do I need God as much as they need a turkey? If we knew how much we needed God, we would be so desperate for Him. But it's the comforts and the trappings that so often cause us to miss that we need Him. But don't be ashamed of your need for God, church. Can I just say that? I feel like there's someone here and you've beaten yourself up because you, the world teaches us to be self-sufficient. And the day that you become self-sufficient, well, I, I've made it. But that's not how the kingdom of God needs. If, if we understood that our next breath is reliant on Him, and in fact, that's what common grace is, that the fact that you woke up this morning and have another day filled with His, His amazing Spirit and He's giving you breath in your lungs, He's, His Word is holding this universe together. He provided oxygen for, from, from the systems that are in this world, from the amazing trees and oh, the whole system. Everything that He's created is sustained by Him. I think that's what COVID maybe taught us is that we've been reliant on the wrong things and we need Jesus. Let's not be a lukewarm church. Let's not be lukewarm believers. And I'm not talking to the person next to you. I'm talking to you. And I'm not talking about the church as an organisation because you are the church. And I believe that today, if we say, you know what, God, I, I repent which is a beautiful thing. The picture for me at the moment is of my church. And I said to them last, last week was, it's like we're, we, we need Him, but we only need Him when we kind of turn this way. But our whole body maybe is not turned. And so then we go about our week, but wouldn't it be awesome if we went from this kind of relationship to fully turn to Him? Resurrendered like the song we, we spoke about. So there's four keys, I believe, because repentance is a beautiful word, even though it's been relegated to people with bullhorns on corners calling people to repent. I believe it's one of the most beautiful words that we need to recover in the Christian language because it's a turning of your mindset. Like Pastor Jill spoke last week, it's, it's this transformation that happens on the inside. It's realizing that I can't trust my heart. I need the Lord because my heart is deceitful in all its ways. It's a slippery sucker. Anyone with me? The moment you think, you, oh yeah, I'm good, is the moment it, it gets away from you. Staying in that posture of daily repentance. But what does that look like? Here's some keys. It's not all of them for repentance, but here's four keys, I believe, that help us live this life of repentance. And we 
come back to our first love and we also are positioned in a place where we're not lukewarm, but rather we need him. The first thing is remind. They're all ours because that's just helpful. <laughs> are you ready? Okay. <laughs> so, oh man, I'll be here all week. Okay. Um, remind. This one seems simple, but if you really took account of your thought life and how often you remind yourself of all the wrong things, that the fruit of our life, the fruit of our speech, the fruit of our behavior, see in ancient times, you would never disconnect someone's behavior from what they believe. But we live in an age now where that's what we disconnect that I could be preaching something but not living it, but somehow that's okay. That, that we just disconnect. But in ancient times, you never did. You saw someone's behavior and that, that confirmed what that person believed. And the reason this is important is that what we think about, what we chew on, what we meditate, what we remind ourselves on will actually feed our soul and our spirit that we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind, no longer conforming to the patterns of this world. That if we have the mind of the flesh reminding ourselves, you're no good. Man, if I, if I, if I spoke to you the way I speak to myself, you'd be like, you're, that's, do you know what I'm saying? Like it, we are so mean to ourselves. We remind ourselves of our mistakes so often. Now there's a place to be reminded, I need God and I repent of those things, but not to the point where I'm trying to justify myself. I wanna encourage you today, this week, it'll feel counterintuitive, but you'll be, you'll be oh man, I wish I didn't do that. I wish, wish I did this. I, whatever the case may be, you know it because you're like me. Remind yourself, I am loved by God. I'm chosen. I'm a son. I'm beloved. I'm a daughter. Whatever it is, remind yourself of what God has done. Now, here's the most important thing is often we think we'll turn back to God when He does something new. We live that way. Like, God, if you bless me, then I'm gonna really give my whole life. And we even pray prayers like that. And in our heart, we're thinking, if this comes through, I'm really gonna give my, my life. It's like that, that, that old joke, you know, you're praying for a parking spot, and you're like, God, I need a parking spot. In New York, you really pray for parking spots. So maybe it's not a thing. And you're like, what? What is he talking about? Um, <laughs> but I, literally every day, I'm like, Lord, today, I really need a parking spot. And, and then all of a sudden, you find one. You're like, God, I'm good. I, I, got, I found one. I'm good. <laughs> but that's how we treat God. We're like, we're praying for something. We're, we're, we're seeking God for something. And we'll return if it happens. The power of reminding yourself is that God has already done enough. I don't need God to do anything else for my life to be on fire for Him. Remind your soul, hey, Jesus doesn't have to lift another finger for my life to be given to Him. If that's the case, then today's the day. Give your whole life to Him afresh. Turn back to Him in Jesus' name that you would give your whole life life to Him because He's done it. The second thing is return. Remember, these are steps to repentance. We need to remind ourselves of the right things, remind ourselves of what Jesus has done, that we are saved by grace. 
We need to return. See, the church of Ephesus, 40 years later, had to return back to their first love. Remember that a few years after the church started, we read it in Acts 19, that Paul had to write to them, reminding them and returning them and saying to them, hey, remember you are saved by grace. You are no longer dead in your trespasses. These are the words to Ephesus. And 40 years later, Jesus comes to that same church and says, hey, I need you to go back to this revelation. I need to return to the grace of God. I need to return back to the foot of the cross. When's the last time you just meditated on the cross? When's the last time you just came back to the foot? For me, it's the foot of the cross, man. Like if I feel my heart wavering, it's just back to the cross. Everything else, just, I'm good. <laughs> I, I'm gonna be in eternity for, with him forever. I had many thoughts like that during COVID. I'm like, this is over, this is done. <laughs> My whole world's over, that's what it felt like. But I just come back to the cross and say, at the end of the day, I have eternal life with Jesus. Yes. And that's, that's more than enough, more than enough, amen? Yes. The third thing is rekindle. We need to go back to the basics. He said to the church, go back to the things you did at first. What were some of those things? For me, it was like back, remembering back in Bible college of just the first thing I wanted to do is just open the Word and put on worship and, and just a fire for the basics again. But here's the thing. Sometimes we're not on fire for God because we're wanting another big moment. It would be bizarre for me, like I, I, love, I love fire a little bit too much. But who loves a good fire pit? Marshmallows, anyone here? Yes, so good. And this is the time of year in Florida when it drops to ungodly temperatures of like 68. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh, it's, it's a bit brisk. You put on your fire. But it would be bizarre if you grabbed a huge huge log and you put it down and you're like, come on kids, let's go, we're gonna get some marshmallows. And, and, and there you are, as you're like just lighting some matches and you're like, yeah. And the kids are like, what are you doing? Like, it's not gonna work, dad. But that's how we treat our faith. That's how we treat our relationship with God. It, maybe it, it grew, grew tired over the years or it, it's gone out. It's not really on fire if you're honest today. That, that same fire you had as a, as a young believer or maybe it's never, you, you don't even have a fire for God and you're like, I, I need a big moment. I need, I need some kind of, I, I need that guest speaker. I, I, need, I need Maverick City to come to Florida. Yeah. Where you already have him. <laughs> Seriously, you sound better than Chandler. I'm just kidding. Love Chandler, but anyway. But, but there's this huge huge log. I mean, it's like a conference. It's a, it's a big miracle. It's, it's, and those things happen. But church, that's not how we live a life of repentance. If you want to start a fire, you get the, the little kindling, right? The, the little sticks from the yard and, and you get some pieces of paper and you just, you start small. And so why do we treat our faith differently? Why do we diminish and demoralize ourselves about just having five minutes with the Lord in the morning before we rush off into our day. That's like a kindling moment for your day. You're starting a little fire and the enemy will lie to you, think that little devotion you read. No, I'm telling you in the spiritual realm, something's happening. There's a fire in your heart. 
sending that text to a friend or sending a voice memo, sending a prayer, sending a, uh, what else do we do? Fax, sending a fax. Those little moments of communication where you think, well, I'm sure a pastor at Colonial will do that. Someone on staff. No, everyone in here, we can actually kindle each other's fires. We can rekindle a faith and a life. And you think it's insignificant. I'm sure God will come through in a big way for them. But maybe you're the answer. That encouragement, that moment, and for your own life, those those little moments where you just have one scripture, maybe the maybe a scripture you've read a hundred times, and you think, yeah, the devil th- says to you, lies to you. It doesn't matter. No, when you focus on the Word of God and you meditate on it, it's like a fire is coming alive in you. If you could see the fire, man, you would stoke it. If you could see the fire that you started. From that little devotional, throughout the day, you'd be like, Holy Spirit, I just focus on you now. God, give me strength for this moment. I just pray for my boss right now. (laughs) Whatever the situation is, if you need patience, if you need love, if you need kindness, I'm telling you, it's kindled in those little moments. Rekindle that fire in your life. And everyone said... Come on, let's give God a hand if you believe it today. Come on, we need to start fresh fire. And the last one here as we close is reimmerse. And the team's gonna come, reimmerse. Let's read Acts 19 together. This is the start of Ephesus, the church in Ephesus. This is how it started. Amazing story. Paul passed through the interior regions and came to Ephesus where he found some disciples. He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? They replied, no, we have not even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. Then he said, well, into what then were you baptized? I love these questions from Paul. They seem so basic to us now, so obvious, but maybe there are people in the room you don't even know who the Holy Spirit is. Maybe there are people here that you are living a mental ascent kind of relationship with Jesus, but you don't have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, that you have the knowledge about God, but not the revelation in your heart. He says, Paul said, John baptized. Well, they answered, it's into John's baptism. Paul said, okay, John baptized with the baptism of repentance. That's great. But this is who I want you to be baptized into, Jesus, telling the people in the, to believe in the one who is to come after him. That is in Jesus. Watch this. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Altogether, there were about 12 of them. Why am I reading this? This is the start of Ephesus, the church. And Jesus is writing to this same church 40 years later through the Apostle John, reminding them, hey, return to your first love. What was the first love? The first love was the fact that they were immersed in the Holy Spirit. The only way I can love Jesus and put Him first is actually by His own power, which is amazing because He actually provides the love that I need to actually love Him back. That's how gracious He is. 
Some of us feel like it's so difficult to follow Jesus. You are so correct. It's so difficult. It's not hard. It's impossible. It's not hard to follow Jesus. It's impossible in your own strength. So why do we try every day? We need to ask. The first thing we need to do is say, good morning, Holy Spirit. Hello, Holy Spirit. Here I am. I'm a dad. I need you today because I'm going to stuff it up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess it up without you. And the day that I think I can, it's a works-based relationship anyway. Here I am. I can't be a pastor. I need the Holy Spirit. Amen. I wasn't so clever that I said, you know what? Yeah. I'm, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to love Jesus. No, that was the Holy Spirit. Because if it wasn't that, then everyone would if they truly knew Him. Because if you really knew Him, church, if you really knew Him, you'd want Him. And if I don't want Him, here's, here's the kicker for me. If I don't want Him, something's wrong. I need to repent. If I don't want Him, something's amiss. If I don't want Him, what's going on in my heart? The Creator of all things, the star breather, the one that holds the whole universe together. And I wanna be seen by someone on social media. I, I, wanna, I wanna know that person in New York. What? No. I have the Creator of all things that wants to spend time with me. Wow. That's my starting place. That's what makes Colonial tick. That's what makes worship important. It's not how good our voices are. It's the one we're singing to. It's not the brilliance of the preacher. It's the brilliance of His Word. It's not my genius, your genius, our success. What we elevate, the glory of man pales compared to the glory of God. But if you saw it, you'd want it. If you knew Him, you'd want Him. Maybe there's some people here that say, you know what, there's something amiss. I need to come back. I need to remind. I need to return. I need to rekindle. And I need to re-immerse. Because whatever I'm immersed in, it's not giving me the fruit of the Spirit. It's giving me something else. And if I'm not filled with His fruit, filled with His kindness and running out of this place to tell people about Jesus, not in a cheesy way, not in a, a proselytizing way, not in a way that you're forced and trying to invite things, you're awkward, but you just, it's weird. Like, like, oh, what'd you do on the weekend? Oh yeah, I just went to this event. No, no, we should talk about Jesus like we talk about the football game. Like, like we should talk about Jesus like we talk about your favourite basketball star. Like, it's so backwards. It shows me that we don't really know Him because we're embarrassed about Him. And I know, I know this message is probably more from my church, not here, but <laughs> I think it's more for me. But maybe there's someone here that can relate. Maybe there's someone here that says, you know what, you're right, you got me. <laughs> the Word got me. There's something in my heart that's amiss because He's not first and I've become self-sufficient. And I, if you were to taste the water out of my soul, it'd be lukewarm, not hot or cold. 
and I can tell like when I look at my family, they just think, they look at me and like, it's lukewarm. It's not refreshing or soothing. Or if I look at the order of the love in my life, it's, it's, there's something out. Today, let repentance be a beautiful word. Not just turning over your shoulder, but turning your whole life back to Him. He's the desire of all nations. His glory is so magnificent. The angels have been singing for all eternity. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the train of His robe fills the temple, fills the earth. If the angels never get sick of singing holy, 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 and the seraphim have to cover their eyes because His glory is so bright. Maybe the least we could do is say, Lord, I'm sorry for not wanting you first. I'm sorry, and I come back to you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if there's someone here today, if there's anyone here and say, you know what, he's not first, and, the, and, and there's, there's some lukewarmness in my life, and I, I wanna want him, but I don't know why. My, there's, there's other things that are before him. If I'm really honest, if you really see the order of love in my heart, he's not the center. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel shameful. See it as an opportunity because when you see Him, everything begins to change and it's the love you've been looking for. It's the life you've been looking for. It's the abundance you've been looking for. It's Him. It's not what He can do for you. It's Him. He is the blessing. He is the treasure in the field. He is the, 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 the prize. He is everything we want and more. If you wanna come back to Him today with no one looking around and same for online here today. Would you slip your hand up? Just a simple slipping your hand up. Say, Josh, that's me. Amen, amen. So many, come on, put your hand up today. Say, that's me. I'm not gonna go another day playing games and pretending I know I need Him. I know something needs to reorder. I want Jesus as first in my life. I don't wanna live in a cycle of self-sufficiency. I wanna need Him because in, in that place, I become useful for His kingdom. I find my purpose in my need for Him. Thank you, Jesus, for all these hands and others. If that's you, if there's a tugging on your heart, a knocking on the door, which is exactly what he says later in Revelations. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Let me in so that I might dine with you. That's what he wants, relationship. Would you let him in? Would you feast together on the bread of life and the wine representing his blood? Would you commune again with him? And lift your hand and say, Josh, that's me. I'm coming back. I'm coming back in Jesus' name. Every single person, as a family, let's say this prayer together. Would you say, everyone that lifted their hand, but all of us together, would you say these words? Say, dear Heavenly Father, I come before you now humbly to repent, to turn, to put you first. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for dying and rising again to give me new life. I'm sorry for not needing you today. I desire you above all things. I give you my life in Jesus' name. And everyone said, can we give God some praise today? Come on. Come on, let's, let's praise Him like we want Him. Let's praise Him like... 
The rocks were a cry out. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand to our feet right now across this place. Thank you, Lord. Would you, all of us, just lift our hands. We're going to sing a chorus. Would you re-surrender your life, all of us together? I know I've gone over time. I'm sorry, Matt, for going over time, but I just... I think we just live in such desperate times where we we give so much time and value to everything else. But this is this is maybe the most important moment where we just commit our heart to God afresh. I don't think this will necessarily be a, a huge log kind of on fire, just trying to a big moment, but it might be a kindling moment. I didn't come here to hype you up, but I did maybe, just maybe, try to spark something in someone's heart today. Just spark a fresh desire to read His Word. Maybe just a, just a little spark to pray again. Just a little spark to not jump on the email and Instagram before I just wait on the Lord. Grab a coffee and just put on some music and just say, Lord, here I am. It's a little spark. It may like seem like nothing, but I just feel like something's going to spark. And Next week, we're going to come back and maybe we could kindle together. We could rekindle that fire and send each other some texts and encourage someone in the house of God and encourage a neighbor and give them a glass of cold water or hot tea to soothe their throat. Whatever it is today, this is a kindling moment, I believe. Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you, why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.